0: Welcome to Healthy Vision. I'm your host, Dr. Val Jones. This show is brought to you by AccuVue, the brand of contact lenses most trusted by eye doctors. If you're like me, you probably see your medical doctor once a year and your dentist twice a year. But how often do you or your children see your eye care professional? I'm guessing that maybe you don't go as often as you should. So I thought I'd introduce you to four experts who will explain what you might have been missing and how to keep your eyes in good health. On today's show, we'll take a look at three areas where Americans are a bit out of focus when it comes to taking proper care of their eyes. Dr. Bob Rosenthal will join us to talk about the importance of eye exams and review some of the medical conditions that can be diagnosed just by looking into your eyes. Dr. Colleen Riley and Dr. Susan Resnick will share some research about Americans' poor contact lens habits. I confess, I'm guilty too. They'll also offer advice about how to handle and wear contacts so your eyes are safe and comfortable. And joining us from Arizona, the sunniest state in the United States, Dr. Stephen Cohen will explain why protecting our eyes from the sun is just as important as protecting our skin from it. All over the world, people report that good vision is critical for their quality of life. In a recent survey, participants said that improved vision could enhance their self-confidence and help them perform better in hobbies, in school or at work, and in sports. However, only half said they have ever had a comprehensive eye exam, and more than one in three parents have never taken their child for any type of vision assessment. So why aren't we seeing the eye doctor as often as we should? Probably because many of us share the misguided belief that if we're seeing well, our eyes are healthy. But that's not necessarily the case. Joining us in studio is Dr. Bob Rosenthal, an optometrist from Newtown, Pennsylvania. Welcome to the show, Dr. Rosenthal.
1: Hello, thank you for the invitation.
0: You know, I've been thinking a lot about um, a kind of misconception that I think some people have that if their vision is fine, their eyes are healthy. Can you tell me a little bit about why that's not necessarily true?
1: Well, the misconception is that if I see fine, why do I need an eye exam? And the answer is an eye exam is more than just vision. A big part of what we do is looking at the medical health of that patient. Unfortunately, people think an eye exam is just about prescribing glasses or contacts. A lot more is involved. Number one, the most important thing we can do is to take a medical history. Let's make sure we understand where this patient is coming from and what's going on. At that point, we look at the outside of the eye. Neurologically, we evaluate that patient, looking at the pupils, looking at the movement of the eye, looking at the lids. We will then evaluate that patient in terms of vision, glasses, contacts, give them a correction if needed, and we move on. Most of us will dilate that patient, take a look at the back of the eye, and that's where we get to evaluate the optic nerve.
0: What sort of things might you find in the back of the eye?
1: If you evaluate blood vessels, you can look and determine whether a patient is displaying signs of high blood pressure. Uh, Clearly, some of the medical concerns we have with the eye is glaucoma. We evaluate for cataracts. But looking at signs of diabetes, like I said, hypertension, high blood pressure, looking in the back of the eye gives us a window of evaluating the patient for those medical concerns. Sometimes a patient will come in for a routine eye exam, and they don't realize that that day they're leaving, being scheduled for a blood test that afternoon.
0: I find that parents have some confusion about whether or not their child has had a comprehensive eye exam. They get a vision screening at school, and they say, oh, okay, my child has been checked out. Their eyes are okay. What do you say to those parents?
1: Screenings are great. We love screenings. But screenings are not a medical eye exam please understand that a screening may give you the opportunity to know that there's an issue with that child. But some of the children, especially in school screenings, these kids are smart. They're going to hear the acuity chart. Some will memorize it. Even with blur in one eye, they're going to give you 20-20 acuity. So sometimes they fool the screener. They can't fool us. I think all children should be screened just like I think all children should follow that screening with routine eye care.
0: So how frequently do kids need to have their eyes examined?
1: I think a child should be seen between the age of six months to a year. If there's an issue with that child, we want to catch it early. We want to catch it very early. Sometimes a child can develop what a parent will call a lazy eye, what we call amblyopia. If we can stimulate the use of that eye, we can save vision in that eye. We can save vision. We can save the way that child will function literally for the rest of their lives. Uh, routinely in my office, I recommend patients be seen every year, every two years after that. Follow the recommendation of your doctor.
0: You mentioned that um, the first eye exam should be at about six months. Well, six-month-old babies aren't very talkative, I would say. Um, So how do you know what's going on with their vision and their eyes? What do you do? What tests do you do to figure out if they're okay?
1: Well, typically children are evaluated different than adults. Everyone's familiar with that question, which is better, one or two. It's important to receive a subjective response, meaning a response from the patient to see where they're comfortable, where their vision will be most satisfied. But when we look at a child, we have instruments to determine that vision, that visual need, objectively. We can determine whether that child has issues without asking for a subjective response. So how do you do that? What sort of tool do you use? We have an instrument typically that's called a retinoscope that allows us to focus light into the eye, and we know if we're focused in, that child's focused out. Oh, that's really interesting. Um, What other tests do you do for infants? Infants, we're looking at tracking, looking at eye movement. We're making sure that the eyes are paired together, that they're working as a team. We have different drums, different instruments to, to literally determine the acuity of a child, again, without requiring a subjective response.
0: So do you use like a bunny or something or a stuffed uh, animal or what's,
1: what's your favorite? Depending on the, on the child, bunnies work fine. I think bunnies are my favorite. Bunny, uh, tree, truck. Uh, Acuity, again, if you can get a subjective response from the child, it works. Uh, But at times, I'm on the floor with that child trying to determine the child's vision. Sometimes a child's sitting on mom or dad's lap when I'm doing the exam.
0: What's your advice to the general public about eye exams?
1: An eye exam is more about checking vision. It's more than just checking vision. An eye exam is an extension of your medical exam. We're there to team with your family physician. We're there to team with your internist. They're going to take a good look at the back of the eye, but we're going to dilate your pupil and take a better look at the back of the eye. That's our job.
0: Dr. Rosenthal, thanks so much for coming in today and talking to me about the eye exam. I learned so much from you, and in fact, I think I'm going to go get an eye exam really soon.
1: Thank you. This was great. I had a wonderful time.
0: And here are two great resources for listeners, infancy is a public health program that provides a one-time comprehensive eye assessment to infants in their first year of life, typically between the ages of 6 and 12 months. These assessments are provided at no cost to all families, regardless of ability to pay or access to insurance coverage. For more information, go to www.infantsee.org, that's I-N-F-A-N-T-S-E-E.org. Think About Your Eyes is an educational campaign with lots of good information on eye and vision health. You can also search for an eye doctor in your area. Visit the site at thinkaboutyoureyes.com. Coming up next, are you like me and forget to replace your contact lenses on time? Find out why that's not a good idea and learn about a tool to help you remember when it's time for a change. You're listening to Healthy Vision with Dr. Val Jones, brought to you by AccuVue, the brand of contact lenses most trusted by eye doctors. I've been wearing contact lenses for over 20 years now. And I have to tell you that I sometimes I'm not so compliant with the way my doctor wants me to wear them. And most importantly, I don't change them as frequently as I should. And I have to confess that I do that because I put the contacts in, they feel great, and then I forget that I need to change them. Well... I'm not alone, because research shows that contact lens wearers are significantly non-compliant in many phases of contact lens wear, not only wearing their lenses longer than they should, but also not taking proper care of their contacts before they put them in and after they take them out. Dr. Colleen Riley is the co-author of a research study about the habits of contact lens wearers. The study showed that many of us are not following our doctor's instructions about safe use of our contact lenses. In fact, according to Dr. Riley, the potential for problems starts before we even put our contact lenses in. Our research showed the most basic hand washing, about 50% of the patients don't wash their hands thoroughly before they put in a lens in their eye. And really, everything starts with clean hands. That is the best way to start your hygiene routine to put your lenses in. In the study, less than half of contact lens wearers said that they filled their lens cases with fresh solution every morning. According to Dr. Riley, this behavior may be risky. Sometimes patients will um, remove the lens, leave the solution in the bottom of the case, and it forms a biofilm. And in that biofilm, it doesn't do its job of cleaning the bacteria and the bugs. The other problem people have is they don't use enough solution. It doesn't completely cover the lens, and it cannot disinfect it. Now joining us in studio is Dr. Susan Resnick. She likes to provide her patients with instructions on proper contact lens use, and today, she'll try to redeem me and other non-compliant contact lens wearers with some smart eye care advice. Well, you got your work cut out for you today, Dr. Resnick, but welcome to the show. Val, thank you so
2: much, it's a pleasure to be here.
0: Dr. Resnick, I I really love my patients, but um, sometimes they don't take their medication as directed, and we call that non-compliance. What does non-compliance look like in your practice?
2: Well, we see that a lot as well, particularly with respect to our contact lens patients. Our contact lens patients, for the most part, really enjoy their lenses. Contact lenses are just such a safe and effective way to correct vision. And it only takes just a little bit to keep them really comfortable and to keep the patient free from any redness, dryness, things that may disrupt their wear. And so what I tell them is that by replacing their lenses on schedule and using the proper solutions and cleaning their cases... They're actually getting two for the price of one. They're getting the ultimate in comfort, and they're also limiting anything that might affect their ability to wear the lenses. So essentially, when you wear contact lenses, you want them to be seen and not heard. You want them to perform for you and know that they're there because you're comfortable and you're seeing well but not thinking about them.
0: Dr. Resnick, I have to confess to you that I um, sometimes wear my lenses longer than my doctor says I should. Um, What am I putting myself at risk for when I do that?
2: You're putting yourself at risk for a variety of different things, and some are more potentially serious than others. The long-term risk is just a diminished ability to wear the lens, your eyes feeling dry, the tissues surrounding or underneath the lids becoming inflamed, your eyes not looking as white and clear. On the other end of the spectrum, though, there are more serious things, and those would be infections which can get into the cornea, which there are no warning signs of for the most part. And those are the things that concern us the most. When patients overwear their lenses and come in and complain about redness and irritation, we can then address the issues. But unfortunately, the more serious things come without warning. Do you find that there is a certain
0: segment of your patient population that struggles a little bit more than others with uh, doing the right thing with care and wear for their lenses?
2: Absolutely. Like most other things in life, when things have been going very, very well for a very long time that we become more complacent, and we see that among our contact lens wearers. It's not the new wearers, and it's not the children, which is often what people think it would be. New wearers and children are very keen on following directions. They're very excited about their lenses, and they're really motivated to do everything right. But it's the patients who have been wearing lenses for a very long time that will lapse into phases of... I'll use the word laziness, and they are the ones who will become more complacent or less compliant about replacing the lenses and about the cleanliness and hygiene aspects of contact lens care.
0: So for patients who find it really inconvenient to clean their lenses every day and make sure their cases are
2: clean and that sort of thing, is there anything that they can do? Two of the most common ways is by having the patient log on to Acuminder.com, which is a complimentary electronic reminder system. It actually lets them know when they're due for an exam and when they're scheduled to replace their lenses. And then what I do clinically is I'm a very big proponent of fresh, clean lenses every day to limit anything that might build up on the lenses, anything that's in the air, um, and certainly for the ultimate inconvenience. And What I often prescribe is the one-day AccuView Moist, which is a lens that patients find very comfortable, and they can throw it away every day. And for those patients who tend to be less compliant and uh, not thinking about what they have to do with the lenses, it really gives them total freedom for their contact lens wear. Dr. Resnick, thank you so much for coming into the studio today to talk
0: to us about contact lens compliance. It was fantastic. You're welcome, and it was my pleasure. And so for you contact lens wearers, you should remember to go to Accuminder.com and sign up to receive an automatic reminder on when to change your contact lenses, when to buy new contacts, and when to schedule an eye exam. I know I'll be signing up for sure. Next up, find out the three most important things you should be wearing to protect your eyes from the sun. You're listening to Healthy Vision with Dr. Val Jones, brought to you by AccuVue, the brand of contact lenses most trusted by eye doctors. Did you know it's just as important to protect your eyes from the sun's harmful rays as it is to shield your skin from them? Well, interestingly, while 85% of Americans recognize that ultraviolet rays can damage their eyes, only 65% wear sunglasses for protection, and even fewer, just 39% make sure their children wear sunglasses. Joining us via phone is Dr. Stephen Cohen, an optometrist from Scottsdale, Arizona. Dr. Cohen, welcome to the show.
3: Hi, Dr. Val. How are you?
0: Just great. My first question to you is: What is UV radiation, and what harm can it cause our eyes?
3: UV radiation basically represents all the light that we're exposed to that comes from the sun. And there, there's the obvious light that we're aware of, and that's the visible light. That's the uh, the sunlight that we see. Uh, that includes uh, when you see a rainbow, all the different colors of the rainbow. But there are different light rays that are part of of that that include things like x-rays, gamma rays, infrared, and then the very important ultraviolet radiation. And ultraviolet radiation is responsible for things like uh, contributing to sunburns and skin damage.
0: I think I read a study that they think that UV radiation may actually be stronger in the early mornings and late afternoons uh, during certain months of the year. Have you read about that?
3: The early morning and late afternoon hours are important for protection. The sun is lower in the sky, so we get direct exposure to our eyes. Uh, It's not uh, overhead where it may be blocked by uh, by our eyebrows or uh, by a hat, so that we have direct exposure at a time when it's not the brightest, so we're not as bothered by it. Therefore, we're not as motivated to put our sunglasses on.
0: Are there any other things that increase our risk for UV radiation exposure?
3: One of the things that's often ignored about uh, ultraviolet exposure is reflection. We think about looking directly into the sun, which we know it's not a good idea to do. But we're also exposed to ultraviolet on reflective surfaces. Some of the obvious ones may be uh, if we're at the pool, uh, the ocean, or at the lake, where we can see the reflection brightness coming off of the water. In addition to reflecting the visible light that causes glare and makes us want to squint or look away, the brightness uh, reflected off of snow if we're out skiing for example becomes very critical And, and skiing poses its own challenge because not only are we dealing with tremendous reflection of ultraviolet off of the snow we're also dealing with a higher altitude and higher altitudes we have less protection from the atmosphere from ultraviolet so we have greater exposure
0: well, you know, I think dermatologists have done a really good job at teaching us how important it is to try to wear sunblock on our skin to protect from sunburn and eventually possible skin cancer that could develop. But I don't hear too much about protecting my eyes from the sun, and that's, that's a real shame. I mean, what are the ways that I could protect my eyes from the sun's harmful
3: rays? There are three things that people can consider. First would be sunglasses, and most sunglasses have fairly high levels of of ultraviolet blocking built in, they're required to now. Even sunglasses that are inexpensive, although we have better protection on sunglasses that are better quality. The sunglasses should cover from the eyebrows to the upper cheek, uh, so that we have good protection from the sensitive structures around our eyes, and also have either a wrap on the side or a thicker side to the glasses, what we call temples, that will block ultraviolet, because it's estimated that some sunglasses that do not provide full coverage, up to 50% of the ultraviolet may still wind up reaching our eyes. The second in the triad is to wear a hat with a brim. This will help to block the um, ultraviolet from reaching our eyes when the sun is higher in the sky. And then for virtually all of my patients who wear contact lenses, I'm a strong advocate of contact lenses that block ultraviolet radiation. Estimates are that most contact lenses that are on the market will block uh, maybe 10 to 20% of the ultraviolet radiation. But fortunately, there are lenses that have much higher levels of UV blocking. For example, uh, AccuView Oasis uh, lens has the highest level of UV blocking of any contact lens on the market, and it blocks over 90% of UVA rays and about 99% of UVB, and it's the UVB that is a contributing factor to the development of cataracts. And although uh, contact lenses by themselves are not sufficient, to be able to protect the eyes from ultraviolet because it only blocks the light that can get inside the eye, UV-blocking contacts becomes a good component to optimal protection from ultraviolet radiation.
0: So, Dr. Cohen, are there any long-term studies on the benefits of UV-blocking contact lenses?
3: There are no long-term human studies on it. For one thing, if you think about a study to see the effect, when we know the impact of ultraviolet could take decades, is those studies are still long in the future. As we learn more about ultraviolet and begin those studies, we have to follow patients over long periods of time. So there are not direct human studies that show that. We do know that ultraviolet will damage the eyes conclusively. So as a result, anything we can do to limit the amount of ultraviolet that reaches our eyes is logically going to then decrease the chances of potential damage from ultraviolet to our eyes.
0: I heard that kids are at higher risk for UV radiation damage to the eyes. Is that true?
3: Absolutely. It's um, a significant amount of the ultraviolet radiation that we're exposed to in our entire lifetime is estimated to occur before we reach adulthood. Uh, And if you think about it, it's logical. Kids spend time outdoors and adults wear sunglasses. So in addition to just the time that we that children spend outdoors, uh, children's pupils, the the uh, sort of the window of the eye that allows the amount of light to enter the eye tends to be larger with children. Also, the structures inside the eye are, are very, very clear, which allows for a pathway for for light to get into the eyes more easily. so it's critical we protect our children as and and most parents are very, very responsible when it comes to protecting their children's skin from ultraviolet, and I think that with heightened awareness, they'll recognize it's important for them to protect their children's eyes as well.
0: Dr. Cohen, thanks so much for joining me today via phone from sunny Arizona. I learned a lot from you, and it was a terrific conversation. Thanks for sharing your knowledge.
3: It's been a pleasure, Dr. Val. Go get those UV blocking contact lenses now.
0: I will. Thank you.
3: (laughs) All right. Take care.
0: All right. And if you listeners would like more information about sun protection, you can get tips for protecting your family's vision and eye health by downloading The Sun and Your Eyes, What You Need to Know, at healthywomen.org. So I hope that after today's show, things are a bit clearer with respect to your eyes. Here's what I learned today. Even if you're seeing well, you need to get regular eye exams. Eye exams are a critical but often overlooked part of taking care of your health. Eye doctors not only evaluate your vision needs, but they may also identify some underlying medical problems such as diabetes or high blood pressure. Take good care of your contact lenses. By not following instructions on proper wear and care, you're putting yourself at greater risk for serious complications. And remember to sign up for a reminder on when to change your contacts at Accuminder.com. Finally, sunglasses, a wide-brimmed hat, and for contact lens wearers, UV-blocking contact lenses combine to provide important protection for your eyes from the sun's rays. Thanks for listening. Until next time, I'm Dr. Val Jones for Healthy Vision.
1: Healthy Vision with Dr. Val Jones is a copyright of Johnson & Johnson Vision Care 2011. Doctors Jones, Resnick, Rosenthal, and Cohen are paid consultants for Johnson & Johnson Vision Care. Dr. Riley is Vice President, Professional Development and Medical Affairs for Vistacon, Division Johnson & Johnson Vision Care. As with all contact lenses, a prescription is required. Rare but serious eye problems can develop. Ask your eye doctor about proper wear and care and whether contact lenses are right for you. For more information on AccuVue brand contact lenses, go to AccuVue.com. AccuVue is a trademark of Johnson & Johnson Vision Care.